One of the great questions of philosophy is, do we innately have morality, or do we get it from celestial dictation? A study of the Ten Commandments is a very good way of getting into and resolving that issue. That was said by the late Christopher Hitchens. You can probably guess he wasn't the big, biggest fan of the Bible, nor the Ten Commandments. There seems to be a lot of misunderstanding about the Ten Commandments and their purpose, both in religious and non-religious circles. Today, we're going to be talking about the commands and asking whether they apply to us today. Let's take a good look at God's words to his people. Welcome to the Pilgrim Song. Hello and welcome to the Pilgrim Song Season 2, Episode 18. I'm Alexander. And I'm Charlie. And we're your favorite and rich friends talking about Jesus. Again, it is good to be back. Uh, how are you doing today, Charlie? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's been a long week, but it's been a good one, so good. productive. Yeah. We're excited to be back on the podcast yet again. Uh, really quickly, though, before we jump into our subject today, we are encouraging you to check out our website. We'll be leaving the link down in our the description. But from the website, you can check out all of our episodes. We're going to be uploading a blog every week. Um, and it's a way that you can get in contact. Like the website we're using, they allow you to leave voicemails for us. So that's pretty cool. Uh, so you can ask us questions or talk about things you liked about our episodes or didn't like. You know, encourage us, whatever it may be. But we're hopeful that it continues to bless you as well. But with that out of the way, we have a topic to handle, a pretty big topic, and that is the Ten Commandments. I believe it's one of the most scrutinized pieces of scripture, uh, at least from what I've seen from a lot of people, especially on the internet. But uh, Charlie, have you had the same experience with the Ten Commandments? Yeah, I feel like most of the scrutiny that I've I especially come to hear is is something that, you know, we kind of mentioned about in the, in the introduction or in the opener. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which is, you know, the idea of, like, whether or not, like, we still fall under that today and mm. stuff like that. And so, I don't know. I usually don't hear a lot of people, like, making fun of them or, you know, thinking that they're just, like, old and outdated. Gotcha. You know, yeah. They're, they're usually pretty solid. That might be a sign that I'm on Atheist YouTube too much. But, uh, yeah, woof. <laughs> <stay> away from <laughs> uh, So... Before I kind of give my answer, I wanted, I looked into three quotes. I used one of the, or I used one quote at the beginning by Chris Hitchens, um, but some of these other ones were uh, by vocalized by other people. So I'm gonna kind of put these out here to think about. Uh, one of them comes from a guy named Robert Ingersoll, who was a lawyer from the 1800s, a secularist. He says that all of the Ten Commandments that are good were old; all that were new are foolish. If Jehovah had been civilized, he would have left out the commandment about keeping the Sabbath, and in its place would have said, Thou shalt not enslave thy fellow man. He would have omitted the one about swearing, and said, The man shall have but one wife, and the woman but one husband. He should have left out the one about graven images, and instead would have said, Thou shalt not wage wars of extermination, and thou shalt not unsheathe the sword except in self-defense. If Jehovah had been civilized, how much grander the Ten Commandments would have been. Uh, a novelist named Oliver Marcus Malloy, uh, this one contains a little bit of some foul language, if you will, uh, so prepare yourself, hide your wife, hide your kids. Uh, 
how come there's no commandment that says thou shalt not rape? Did God ask Mary for consent before he put a baby in her? Or was God's God Christianity's first rapist? And then uh, Sam Harris, who is pretty famous, one of the four horsemen of the new uh, of new atheism, uh, he says that if you think it would be impossible to improve upon the Ten Commandments as a statement of morality, you owe it to yourself to read some other scriptures. Once again, we need to look no further than Jane's. Mahavriya, the Jane patriarch, surpassed the morality of the Bible with a single sentence, do not injure, abuse, oppress, enslave, insult, torment, torture, or kill any creature or living being. Imagine how different our world would be if the Bible contained this as its central precept. Christians have abused, oppressed, enslaved, insulted, tormented, tortured, and killed people in the name of God for centuries on the basis of a theologically defensible reading of the Bible. Checkmate Christians. Yeah, yeah, man. Burn, burn. All of us. (laughs) Oh, no. What's your initial reaction to all that, Charlie? I mean, uh, the one was... Kind of just laughter. There was some pretty funny stuff in there. Um, the best was just when they were like, "There should be a commandment that says, you know, you know, all these things." And I'm like, "Oh, but there is a commandment that that Ooh. falls underneath." That's the Ooh, best part. So the best part that. is like one. It's like, yeah, you didn't actually read them. Two, you know, it's uh, they're misinterpreting it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the first one just cracked me up because the first thing that came to my mind was. God's just not woke enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, literally, what came to my mind? Yeah, jokingly. I mean, I don't know why I thought that. But, I mean, um, I was thinking that with the Robert Ingersoll quote, like yeah. replacing one of the commandments with "the man should have one wife" one and wife, one woman. Yeah. It's like from the eighteen yeah, hundreds. So like that's out, radical. Yeah. We're moving back Thou towards like enslaved by fellow men. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, get wrecked, God. <laughs> oh man. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think it's just a they don't understand. They didn't actually read them, especially not killing or harming another creature that's i mean i feel like that kind of falls under murder so So, i don't know for sure and i i really think i'm gonna say this later probably again but i really think they take this very pharisaical way of looking at the ten commandments of they're very they only apply to like that specific as long as you as long as you aren't stabbing somebody and like actually killing them then it's fine and it's like when jesus comes and says this is what the commandments meant you guys have been abusing them. They're like, oh, what? So I think that's kind of the way that it, they've often been read. Making fun of the Sabbath day, too. That oh, yeah. Funny. Classic. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> have we done a podcast on the Sabbath? I don't, I don't think so. I'll have to look back at we, it. Yeah, if we've we done one, let us know. Because if uh, not, we should do a podcast. For sure. Podcast ideas. Yeah. Uh, so basically, just based upon these three quotes, we can see there's clearly a misunderstanding of the Ten Commandments. And that's why we're doing this podcast, because I believe it's important for Christians to know them and know them well and to know them well enough to explain to other people who have questions or kind of assert these things uh, that are honestly baseless, like not trying to call all these people ignorant. But there is a way to understand the Ten Commandments that uh, is required, I think, if you're going to understand Scripture. So we do find the Ten Commandments over in Exodus 20. Uh, This is actually Mount Sinai. They have arrived. And we find what has happened is the people have been led to this mountain. And what is happening is like a marriage ceremony. God has made promises to them and he promises he's going to be faithful to them. So in response, the Ten Commandments, or in Hebrew, the Ten Words, are to showing their faithfulness back to God. That this is going to be a uniting of these people. Um, 
So I believe that's why it's delivered on two tablets, one for God and one for the people. So uh, a lot of people have like the first four on one side and the other six on the other side. I don't think that's really how it five, worked. Five, that's my. You no, know, there was actually 15 commandments. Oh, when yeah. Moses broke the tablets. That's true. They lost five of them. Yeah. Mothers and goat milk, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So we have these two separate things for one for either party. And so knowing that that's kind of where we set ourselves up, we're going to read uh, the first four commandments and go through this. So starting in Exodus chapter 20 in verse 1, it says, Then the Lord spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or is on earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. All right. Any initial thoughts before we break this down, Charlie? Classic Ten Commandments, man. <laughs> Been reading them since you were a kid. For sure. Um, it's probably one of the most, I don't know if it's probably one of the most, it should be one of the most studied parts of the Old Testament, right? This is the beginning of God laying down his law for his people, right? This is mm-hmm. kind of the, 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 the first principles, if you will, of like there's a big thing in engineering, right? Whenever we derive equations, like where, where everything comes from, is we everything goes back to what's called first principles. And from those first principles, you get kind of everything else will mm-hmm. kind of fall underneath those. And so when I think of the Ten Commandments, that's kind of what I think of them as. Like these are the first principles of God's commandments. And then the law that follows from those, especially like we're doing a study through Deuteronomy right now, all of that fits back into this. Mm-hmm. These are the first principles of what all that kind of fits yeah. in. So. That's a really good way of thinking about it. I think uh, oftentimes we get really in the weeds about theology and all this other stuff. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. Without the initial commands from God and what he's calling his people to act like, you know, the rest of it falls apart or it will, will have misunderstandings about how to apply it. So I think it's a good idea, good way to think about it. What version do you usually nor- read out of? ESV. Okay. I was reading out the NRSV. I'm sorry. I didn't clarify that before. Uh, it's actually um, pretty similar. There wasn't a ton of difference. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I really like it. Charlie bought me this one for Christmas last year. So it's one of my favorite translations now. It does. <laughs> All right. So what we have from the beginning is this origination. We know that what God has done is brought his people out of slavery. He's shown his love to them and mercy to them. And they are going to be his people. They're his nation. Uh, but in his mercy and faithfulness to his promises, he is also demanding the same faithfulness back. Uh, so I think that has bit pretty important relations for us as Christians. While we're not Israel, we do have this understanding that God has called us 
uh, out of the bondage and the slavery of sin, so we must live in according to his pattern and with fear of him. Uh, the first four commands that we just read are, you know, as I heard in my youth, we called it like the horizontal or the vertical commands, and then the verse six are horizontal. So vertical, you know, towards God, horizontal towards everyone else. Um, and while I think those are kind of good baseline, the understanding is that the vertical commands, they ha- they have direct effect on how you treat everybody else. They So I think that's important to note as well. You don't just really get to separate the Ten Commandments out. They're pretty interconnected. Uh, so the first command uh, is very well known. You shall have no other gods before me. Coupled with God's jealousy, this verse has been used basically to say that God, or Yahweh in particular, is insecure. And few things could be further from the truth. I think I'm just kind of ignorant. But as a matter of fact, God is so secure that he knows everything else, including the worship of other gods, will lead to both spiritual ruin and societal rot. The spiritual aspect of God's commandments can never be forgotten. That the forsaking of God is what leads us into sin. When we forget about his love and promise that leads us into sin, and sin is devastating. Sin leads to death. The other gods around the people of Israel demanded human sacrifice, maiming, children burned on hot metal. The worship of other gods leads to spiritual ruin, but it also leads to the degrading of something that God made good, and that is humanity. So I believe that's why this is command number one. Don't worship these other gods. They're going to break you down. Uh, The second one is also pretty famous. You shall not make a graven image or a carved image. I believe there's two reasons why God would forbid images, and it's not because he's afraid or ashamed of art. Um, so the, the first thing is that if you go to your yard and you chop down a log and you shape it into a narwhal, and then you bow down to this narwhal, is there really a God there? Not really, because you decide how the narwhal looks, how he is worshipped, and how he is honored. So you can do whatever you want to and claim it was for the glory of my God. To the contrary, God is a fixed and perfect being. If you try to manipulate his will to your own, uh, you manipulate his will to your own spiritual condemnation and moral degradation, if you decide to partake in it that way. And the second part is that there are already images of God around. If you've been reading the the Torah, if you've been reading the Pentateuch thus far, you know that in Genesis 1, humans are made in the image of God. So if you love God, you will love and respect those who are made in his image. Very often, for the sake of fake images of God, people are willing to do horrible things to the real image of God. And this is what makes them dangerous beyond typical moral rot. So, those are the first two commands. Do you have anything to say about those, Charlie? Why a narwhal? Ah, I don't know, man. Maybe pops in your mind. I feel like if you were like, if you're just some, <laughs> if you're some random person on the island and you see a narwhal come out of the water, you're like, that's God right that's there. Like, <laughs> I've seen God. It's got a giant horn on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's so funny. Right. Oh, man. <clears throat> but no, I, I, uh, I like, I agree, you know, like the, these have to be the first commandments, right? Specifically the first one, right? So you're going to serve God. That's got to be the first commitment that they make to any of this, right? If they're not going to serve God, then just pack it up and leave right mm-hmm. there. The rest of the commandments don't matter. Because if you're not going to serve the one giving the commandments, then you're not going to abide by them. So right off the bat, number one, and I think number two goes right along with it, and that is you're going to serve me and only me, mm-hmm. right? You're not going to try to make 
other carved images, even if you're maybe trying to make a carved image of what you think God looks like, you know, which would just be a man, I guess. <laughs> like you said, we're made in his image, but which people have done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, yeah, they, if you're not going to serve God, then you're not going to follow them just in here. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. So the third commandment, uh, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. You shall not bear his, his name in vain. Uh, so I believe this one requires a two-part answer as well. When we were talking about language, we talked a little bit about this um, already. But there comes, there is this understanding that God's name should be honored and it should be glorified. And glory in Hebrew just means weighty. It's supposed to have heft to it. So if you go around and you're using God's name as something that just can be thrown around, uh, you know, very often in our culture, you hear that a lot, whether it be just going on in, you know, normal conversation or movies or whatever, his name is used just kind of as nothing or just a fill-in phrase or whatever it may be. Um, there's Send a, your toe your yeah, yeah, exactly. Yell his name. It's an expletive. For sure. Yeah. So, and that's not, that's not making God's name weighty. Uh, however, I think if you're going to say, thank God for something, and it's because you are genuinely thankful for what he's done, that does make his name glorified because you are trusting, you have put your trust in him and how he's helped you through. Um, so you, if you use God's name as less than what it deserves, you are making him smaller in your mind and the bigger you become, you become God. And that is extremely dangerous as we have learned throughout human history and learned through scripture. The second part of this also comes to people justifying their behavior that is evil in the name of God. I believe that Sam Harris will kind of return to that, but Sam Harris's complaint is largely based upon this idea. Christians have used God's name to do bad things. The third command specifically prohibits using the name of God for things contradictory to his call in nature. I think it's pretty clear. So if I were to reach across the table right now and punch Charlie in the face and say that God's spirit called me to do that, I'd be taking the name of God in vain. It has gone way more extreme than punching Charlie in the face, like <coughs> the Crusades. But this is the principle of the third commandment. You do not abuse God's name by making it either smaller than what it deserves or abusing it to do awful things in his name. Um, so... I think right from there, it kind of destroys all the same Harris's point. But again, read the text. Yeah, that's actually the one that I had in my mind when, when you're talking about the same thing that he was talking about, you know. I mean, like, because that, the stance that he took on that is one that a lot of people, I mean, you know, you, you've even talked about this in your class that you're doing right now with us mm -hmm. at Northwood on Wednesday nights. You know, the idea of like, you know, how do you justify all the horrible things Christians have done? or people who claim to be Christians have done in the name of, of God. And I think it's a really good point. I honestly never really think about going back to this verse, but it's, it's honestly a great verse of just boom, like it's done. Obviously they were wrong. Cause that is a, you don't really think of that. Typically when we think of taking God's name in vain, like we talked about in the language, and usually the first thing you think of is like, yeah, just you, loosely losing, loosely using, <laughs> losing, <laughs> loosely using, like the, the, the word God yeah. or Lord or something like that, or Jesus, you know, um, which like, I, I agree, it falls underneath that, but then that's kind of the bigger side of the two mm -hmm. is, is using it abusively to justify. So yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. So we, and I think that's part of the importance of going back to the 10 commandments is just so we are reminded that if you have gone throughout your whole life, you've never used, uh, God's name and like specifically how the rest of the world uses it. And you think that you're following the third command, 
I think it's, it requires more scrutiny and more thought than that. So just something to consider. Uh, the fourth command, as uh, our friend Robert from the 1800s wanted us to get rid of, the Sabbath day, it says to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sabbath day gives, uh, it's a reminder of God's creation, his power and his holiness. As you learn from Jesus later in scripture that the Sabbath day was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Uh, that comes from Mark 2. The Sabbath was a reminder of God's peace, resting in his presence and trusting in his provision. And frankly, uh, in the ancient Near East, we have, we, you know, in the West, we have these two two day weekends, usually where, you know, we don't have to work. Uh, in the ancient Near East, there was no day off. So what we have is this day off in this time period. And it was supposed to be a showing of trust that God was going to provide for them that day. It was going to show that God was different from these other gods who didn't need, uh, he didn't need other people to do things for him. He didn't need his worshipers to do everything for him, but rather they had a day every week where they rested and worshiped and understood that God had blessed them. It was God who had provided this day. It is God who had been creating throughout the week and then gives them the rest at the end. So again, it's very God-centered and God-focused as a reminder of the mercy and the peace that he had brought them, and they were going to find peace in no other, no other place. So all those are extremely important, of course, reminding them of God's holiness how different he is from the other gods, and why it's important to worship him. But yeah, these are the first four that are God-centered, if you will, commands. Uh, anything else you had to note about that, Charlie? Yeah, uh, um, I like the whole vertical verse four, but I like the vertical forever. I guess, you know, I never broken it down in exactly that way, but kind of talked about the other, but the Sabbath, I think, is a really important commandment. And kind of like I talked about, like, because that was one of the, the knocks that I can't remember who whose quote it was, but they were like, God shouldn't have put a commandment in there about the Sabbath. He should have something else. Or why did why wouldn't God include the Sabbath when he didn't include, you know, something else or whatever the, the saying was. It, they were diffing the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like that's an easy thing to do because, right, even, even the Israelites dissed the Sabbath, <laughs> I guess, when Jesus comes again. That's why he gives the whole speech of like, why the Sabbath was created is for man, not for God. Mm -hmm. So, um <clears throat> the whole idea was to yeah keep your mind focused and centered on God, right? You start off on the first three and it's, it's about serving God, right? And respecting God. And this one is, is about remembering God really is kind of the idea of it. So you're going to follow him. Uh, you're going to worship only him. You're going to respect him and his name, understand where he stands and you're going to remember God and like what all God has done. So like it kind of wraps up those first four of like, you know, that one day a week, you know, using the Sabbath as that day to remember all that God has provided for, mm -hmm. which then kind of cycles you back around when you remember all that God has done, bring you back around to, I want to serve the Lord. Those, yeah. the, the four kind of work in a loop together. It's always helping you work your way forward. So, uh, or closer to God. So yeah. Yeah. Super good. That's the goal. Uh, so if a lot of people look at these first four commands and they think that God is either being self-centered or, and I just think it's a misunderstanding. Because God understands from the get-go that if the people do not understand him and love him and fear him, it will lead to societal ruin and spiritual rot. So, but when they do have these focuses, when they do take the time every week to think about him on the Sabbath day and to meditate and worship him and honor him, and then every other day of the week they're going to do things for his glory and honor, it's going to uh, provide a lot of great and wonderful things. So, for sure. Well, we've got through the first four uh, commands, so we've, we've got six more to talk about, so we will be addressing those when we come right back.
so we just kind of went through the first four commandments uh, that God gives. And, and as Alexander were, uh, talked about them, referred to them as the, the vertical command. And so now we're going to get into the, the latter six and, and more of what he referred to as these horizontal ones, right? So you have focused your life on God. You've dedicated yourself to him. You're going you're gonna to serve him. Now here are some of the basic first rules that you are going to follow as being a servant of his. Uh, it starts off with one that I think is, it's interesting, right? When you think about like, you know, the worst sins that someone could commit in their life, the first one that he gives is probably not the first one that comes to your mind. At least it's not the one that probably comes to my mind, but I think he actually gives it and he gives it its place for actually a specific reason. I do think it's intentional that it kind of kicks off these, these second half or the second six or the last six of these commandments. Uh, and Alexander is going to read that one for us. All right. Verse 12, honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. So this, this is super interesting, right? Like I said, when you think about the worst thing someone could do, not honoring your father and mother, it's probably not one of the biggest things on your list, especially when you're a kid, right? And, and we've all, I at least had it beaten over my head as a child, you know, honor your father and mother. And, you know, when you honor your father and mother, you're, you're going to obey them. You're going to follow them, right? It's kind of the, it's, it's very similar to the first command, I feel like, or really the mm-hmm. first four, when it's talking about, you know, how you're going to honor God. Uh, and then the next thing you're going to do is honor your parents. And so all the same things that applied when you're going to follow God and honor him are the same things you're going to do for your parents too, right? You're going to put them ahead of everything. You're going to listen to what it is they have to say. And you're going to obey what it is they tell you. Mm-hmm. But I think he puts this one first for a very good reason because, ah, man, I sound like such an old man for saying this, but I do really feel like one of the biggest downfalls of society is when people do stop listening to their parents, right? When young people kind of take over everything and and their will becomes a dominant will and they get what all they want. We get what all we want. And you're no longer listening to the people that are older than you that have lived before you and have more wisdom than you. That's a tough pill to swallow, right? We're all young. We're all arrogant. We all think that we know what's right. We think that the people that are older than us are just out of touch. And these are not new ideas. I'm going to guess that when Moses was reading these commandments off to the people, they were probably young little Israelites there. They felt the exact same way. Like, what do you mean I don't have parents? I'm better than my parents. I know more than my parents. My parents are out of touch, right? Um, there's nothing new under the sun. So these are not some new ideas that we've come up with, that youths all of a sudden are better than older people or specifically their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's no better example of that happening than in Israel itself, right? You see Israel falls apart when there came a generation that did not know the Lord. That's kind of the biggest downfall, right? They didn't listen to their parents. Their parents didn't teach their children probably, but mm-hmm. if, even if they did, right, the kids weren't listening. And so, yeah, there, there was a, a lack of respect there in the home. That's, that's kind of my take on yeah. it. I think it's first for a good reason. Yeah, absolutely. And, I know this command is hard for a lot of people because perhaps you either have parents that aren't a non, or aren't believers, period, mm-hmm. or you you know abusive or anything like that. And I get that that is is really hard to hear a command yeah. uh, the specific. But I I also believe that it's important for us to remind ourselves that parents are the first authorities that we have in our lives. Yeah. Uh, so honoring the Lord is aligned with authority, understanding that. What God calls me to do, he does it out of love, certainly, but it is also because he has authority over me. I'm not him. 
Um, so just like parents, we have to learn that we are not as smart as we think we are. Uh, and God has put them in this position to be honored. And they will be judged for how they parented their children, but we will also be judged as their children of whether we respected our parents or not. Yep. Um, so that's what I don't, I think sometimes this commandment is looked at as, oh, the parents get off the hook. And that's clearly not the way that God is yep. going to state any of this, but it is important for us to uh, think about it uh, and reflect on it as, as God has called us to. Yeah. I think another really important part too is, and I've had this pointed out to me, there's not an end time. There's not an end date put on this, right? Mm -hmm. Honor your father and mother until you move out of the house, right? Honor your father and mother until you turn 18, right? Honor your father and mother uh, that your days may be long in the land, mm -hmm. right? So there's not really, right? you, you should never lose respect or honor for your parents, mm -hmm. right? As you age, they also continue to age and they'll always have those extra years on you, you know, as long as the Lord blesses them and you with life and continues you on. So, you know, just because you may feel like you're an adult, like that was a big thing for me when I went off to college. I'm like, I'm a man now. Mm. I don't have to listen to my parents. <laughs> but no, it's not true, right? You still honor them. You still respect them. Yeah. Just, you know, like, and I think your point was fantastic of, you know, even if they may not be the best, they're going to be judged for that too. Just like you will be. Yeah. So, so it's not conditional. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So the other in succession are much shorter when compared to the first four. Uh, so we have do not murder, do not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, and you shall not covet. So just going through these, just because they're, sh I mean, they're short, so it's not really hard to get the gist of what's going on in these. The first one is do not murder. And again, a lot of the perspective is, just as long as you don't stab or shoot somebody, then you've 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 done what the commandment is asking yeah. you, uh, and that's kind of the, the joke that's made about Batman because Batman just like beats people within an inch <laughs> of their life, but then says, uh, you know, I don't kill, and it's like, dude, you're choking this man by the neck, like it's you're just because you're not killing doesn't mean you haven't done something awful. Um, so Jesus, as he says, even if you have hatred in your heart or you speak hatred towards somebody. That is murder. That is killing them. Uh, so to get to the, even to the point of murdering someone, you have to hate them. You have to reflect on how to harm them. You have to plan out this behavior, and then you have to execute. Uh, so Jesus condemns this in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's not just the killing that is the problem. It is the heart issue. You are harming the image of God because of your evil uh, and because of your hatred. So to say simply, that shall not murder, and then assume that's all I think is uh, pretty ridiculous. So, did you have something to say? No, nah, I mean it's like it, it's like we, we used an example recently in class, right? It's like the kid that holds his finger up next to their their sibling. It's like, oh, the kids like stop touching me. Like I'm not touching you. Yeah, like, my hands is right next to you. Get out of my room. Like I'm not technically in your room. I'm just standing in the doorway. I'm not in your room. That's the same idea. If, For sure. If, if that's the way you're gonna treat, do not murder. Then what's keeping anybody from going out and beating anybody that looks at them the wrong way within inches of their life and then pulling back just before the murder. It's ridiculous. That's and, what it's saying. Yeah. And if you think that's what's approved of by God, you're just not reading. You're just not understanding. Yep. Um, you shall not commit adultery. Uh, this one is important for a lot of reasons, uh, not just along the lines of sexual purity, but I also believe it's based upon promise. So God is making a promise to the people here. When you get into marriage, you are making a promise. You are making a commitment. So God expects you to keep that promise. 
And just as Sinai was marriage ceremony to take seriously, so was just marriage as a uh, period. So when you make that promise and then you break that promise, that is a problem. And we see like we have this, there is an obvious problem that goes on with divorce in our country. That the more that divorce happens, the more that these broken homes, these broken families, uh, it, it's, it has a lot of issues. Um, but it goes beyond simply cheating, uh, I believe. So one of the examples that was used in the our quotes was rape. Does rape, does rape violate committing adultery? A hundred percent, absolutely. You have not made a promise to love and sacrifice for this person. And then you have taken them as property and marred the image of God in them. You have done something horrible. It's abysmal. It is adulterous. Um, so, you know, not only does that invalidate kind of that quote, but it also reminded me of like the other one, Robert's quote. He talked about shouldn't want, or the Sabbath should be switched out for man should have one one man or man should have one woman and woman have one man. And it's like that, that's what do not commit adultery yeah. <laughs> means. I don't understand how you're missing yeah. this. Uh, so pretty wild to me. But there it is, condemned right there. Um, anything outside the marriage bed? No, no not good. Um, did you have anything to say about that? Okay. So you shall not steal. Um, there is property that does belong to you. And there is property that does not belong to you. To take from somebody else is wrong because I believe it shows a lack of gratefulness for what you have. God has brought them out of the land. He has provided all of their needs. And what you are saying when you take from somebody else is that God has not blessed me with enough. I need to take something else for myself. Especially when you read beyond this in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, you see that the poor and the homeless are to be heavily protected and provided for. Um, so... If Israel was doing with their responsibility, then there would be really no need for stealing. Um, but even if you do decide to steal, if all things are going right, it shows a disrespect for your neighbor that you took from. Uh, you are you are assuming that they don't need what you took from them. And your need usually is selfish and motivation. Uh, so yeah, don't steal. Uh, you shall not bear false witness. One of my struggles. Uh, do not lie. But lying also means misleading, defrauding, promising to do something, but then not going through with it. If you, if God is the place where truth is found, which we believe he is, he is truth itself. That means to speak lies is an absolute uh, contradiction to his nature and how he calls his people to live. And the concluding one, you shall not covet, again, ties into the idea of thankfulness and gratitude that we, that is addressed with stealing. You shall not be looking at anybody else's wife or things that they have wishing they belong to you. Because you've been blessed by God as is. You need to be grateful and honor him with just what you have. And, I mean, few things could be more contradictory to how our culture in America often works. I see that somebody else has something. I want to take it for myself. When to the contrary, God calls us to be thankful for what we have. And when we're thankful for simply what we have, we are more happy people, and more importantly, more spiritually well-off people. So, if they fail to honor these uh, laws these and have understandings of them, this is going to cause a lot of problems. All of the commandments point to God's nature as truth, as love, as judge, as creator, as the authority, as good, as faithful, as holy, and as glorious. So God's demand for the people who are called by his name and that they reflect his nature 
in honor towards him and towards their fellow man. If they do this, they'll be spiritually healthy and provided for, and they will show it will show clear in their morals as well. However, as we see throughout scripture, they constantly reject those, and what happens is horrid. Uh, so that's part of why the Ten Commandments are so important. Anything else about this, Charlie? Any no, I thoughts? mean, I, I thought your, parent, your, parents, your points were all uh, fantastic. Um, I mean, the the guy wants to get technical about the awful things that, that people have done in Christianity, but like, think about all the things that evil things that people have done by forsaking these things, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot and half of those things that the, the Christians were doing were based off of this, right? Think about how many wars were started based off something that was stolen from them, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of like one of the reasons why the Crusades, right? They were yeah. they thought that the they had stolen the land away and they were had they had to go and take it back. I mean, like it's it's such a I don't know it's such an interesting thing just to to blame Christians for a lot of problems and then blame ultimately the Ten Commandments for falling short. But if you just gave the time and you read the Ten Commandments, you can pretty quickly see that Christians that behave in that way are disregarding these Ten Commandments that were given to the mm-hmm. people. Like they don't fall under that. Like God does not make exceptions to the Ten Commandments to justify something, right? Um, when God told Israel to, to go into the land, right, to drive these other nations out, right, to bring judgment upon them, he was not making an exception on his Ten Commandments. Like, hey, I'm going to put a pause on Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. You guys go and slaughter these people real quick. We're going to pause Ten Commandments, and then you guys can do that, and then we're going to then we resume. That's not what God was doing, right? Um, that's not that's not how it works, and so that's not how Christians were supposed to do it either. But you think you're better. You think you're better than other people. Uh, you think you're above these commandments, and so that's when you start doing terrible things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these are important. They're foundational. But the issue comes, well, do they apply to us today? So we're going to be addressing that when we come back. just discussed these ten commandments, these ten words from God in communication with his people, what he is calling on them to do to honor him and respect them. But the question goes, is a lot of things in the Old Testament, particularly the old law, do the ten commandments still apply to us today? Um, what do you think about that, Charlie? Do they still apply to us? I absolutely do. I, I, I genuinely think, and there's, there's, a, there's a couple angles I think you could look at this from. Um, one angle, you can just, even from a non-Christianity standpoint, you can look at these and most of them are just general, just good life advice of how to just be a good person. Uh, and that's one side you can look at it. And the other side, the one that I, I genuinely think is true is that, uh, each one, of, I do feel each one of these commandments is in some way restated that we have in the New mm-hmm. Testament. Um, and I actually include the Sabbath in that list. Interesting. And I don't like it's not like not necessarily that it's a command of like keeping the Sabbath, but it's more or less the idea of what the Sabbath was supposed to do, mm-hmm. remembering right what God has done for you and remembering all that He had done. Right? I think it's absolutely something. That yeah. Obviously, yeah. we're just like you know. I think that's the one command where we don't have a like where it's not directly repeated like Jesus will say you know keep the Sabbath. 
but I think even the ideas of the Sabbath are definitely something that Jesus teaches mm-hmm. us to do, right? It's like in, in remembering God, remember like by the Lord's Supper, right? We gather mm-hmm. together, we partake of it to remember what God did for us. That was exactly what the Sabbath was supposed to kind of be for them. So I think, you know, we have those things. And then every other one of the commandments, right, is going to in some way fall underneath what I would almost consider like the new first principles of the New Testament that Jesus lays for us. You yeah. Know? Okay. Yeah. I, and I, I agree with that. Uh, so I put originally my answer yes and no, but based upon Charlie's answer, I'm going to change it to entirely yes. Because I do agree. <laughs> um, uh, as he already mentioned, they're all restated in the New Testament, save the one about the Sabbath. But um, there is supposed to be this understanding that God's people are held to these standards. You're in covenant with him. Um, and just because you're saying, oh, I didn't murder somebody, yeah. you know, we understand that that is not just not murdering. It, it goes uh, it's even more strict than that. Um, so you have to honor God and you have to honor, honor those who are made in his image. Now, when it comes to the Sabbath, uh, I believe that, or just as Charlie was talking about, that the Sabbath is still calling us for to, it, it's supposed to be holy. That while Saturday, we don't have to follow the Sabbath day the same day as like, you know, following on Saturday. But what we do understand is that our true rest is in Christ. So if we are trying to look elsewhere in this world as a place for rest, that if we get enough money, then we can rest. Or if we do, we accomplish some life goal and that is our rest. I think that's failing to honor Jesus as the true rest. I think very often what happens in our culture is we're so we're looking so far ahead about this is when I can finally uh, get what I desire when what we desire is home with Christ, home uh, rest there. Uh, so the verse I use particularly to talk about the Sabbath comes from Colossians 2, which I love Colossians and especially chapter 2. But in verse 16 and 17, uh, Paul says that let no one f- pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or to a new moon or a Sabbath. Because, not because the Sabbath is just kind of irrelevant, but these things are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So, Christ is the substance of what the Sabbath meant. So honoring him is honoring the Sabbath day. So while you do not have to just rest on the Sabbath day anymore, there is this call to honor Christ as he has called us to. So, yeah. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I I agree. There you go. Now he just provides that that rest for us. He (laughs) is our Sabbath rest. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, working through these, Abe really gave me a newfound appreciation because uh, for a little while I've heard these level attacks at uh, the Ten Commandments about how they are kind of uh, either ridiculous or uh, we read in the quotes before that if God was actually moral, then he would put in things that actually made sense. And reading through these again and kind of contemplating them and meditating on them, it's like, oh, they make total and complete sense. And a lot of the problems that we see in our society would be quite swiftly fixed if we would focus on them and re reordinate reorient our lives around them um and i think it also reminds us and highlights the danger of what it means when we become gods ourselves or we worship other gods uh, because it always leads to this spiritual devastation and moral degeneracy so in contrast what god calls us to is holiness and rest and glorious things um, so hopefully if you've been listening to this, you know, it helps you think about the Ten Commandments in a better way and come to a better understanding of God's laws. Do you have anything else you'd like to add on to that, Charlie? No, I mean, <clears throat> it's something that we hear a lot about. Um, and, you know, though it's a, originally given as a part of the old law, it's certainly something that we still respect, mm-hmm. right? Even though, even if 
we didn't follow the old law at all, right? Even if we didn't have any sort of versions of commands, that Jesus had come and given us a completely different set of Ten Commandments. You, we still respect the old law. Mm-hmm. You know, we respect for what, respect it for what it was, respect it for what God had given the people, right? Because it was still the words of God that were given down. Uh, and luckily, like we've stated, definitely think it's certainly part of our law today, the same things that we follow. Um, and so, yeah, respect it, listen to it, you know. It, none of the things that he gives are in any way for the benefit of God. It's all for the benefit of us. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, for sure. Uh, so there, I mean, we know that there's a lot of other like ceremonial laws, like 613 yeah. Yeah. laws yeah. in Torah that we were not right. supposed to follow. The Ten Commandments really do lay out this framework of what God calls his people to act like. Um, so the rest of the Torah, while important for us to read, as Charlie mentioned, it is not binding. And we see that a lot yeah. in scripture. So. I mean, yeah, it's like I was saying, you know, it's think of these like the, the, the first principles that kind of lay down the the laws that govern everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really what, what they are. And science, that's, that's what these are, too. Everything else is a derivative from these things. And I really actually feel like right when you when you read the rest of all of the laws and all things that the people were supposed to do, they all go back to these 10 in some form or mm-hmm. fashion. Right, Everything kind of comes if you're following these things. I equate it a lot to like what we talk about in the New Testament, right? Which is the two greatest commands of loving the Lord your God with all your heart and loving your neighbor as yourself, right? And if you follow those two things down to the what down to their core, everything else is going to fall in line with that as well, right? If you're putting God first and your neighbor second, you're loving them, um, then every every other every other law, every other rule, everything that we are as Christians can kind of fall under those and be derived from those. I think that's exactly what these kind of mm-hmm. were as well. So. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't see Jesus' application of those two things and his teaching and what he calls on us to do, uh, again, I just don't think you're really listening or want to know and pay attention to that. Um, you're not following the first commandment. No. <laughs> <laughs> commandment number one. Uh, so to close this out, I, I kind of had a thought. Um, when just talking about the old covenant and the new covenant. So we know that the old covenant is over because of Christ and his sacrifice. Not only did it forgive us of our sins uh, when we repent and turn to him, but it also cut down for the need. There is no need for the old covenant anymore. There is the need for Christ. Um, And there's this prophecy in Jeremiah 31, where it says that this covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. So this verse I thought about as I was reading a story a couple years back, and I brought it back for this uh, segment in particular. But it was talking about the Ten Commandments that there's a statue that's built in Arkansas. And... They built this sculpture, and then within 24 hours of being built, a guy destroyed it with his car, ran into it on purpose. Uh, he had he had done that thing before, that type of thing before. But it brought in uh, protests, you know, the fact that these Ten Commandments sculptures had been built. It brought in this protest from uh, the Freedom for Religion Foundation and other secular groups, including the Satanic Temple. They brought a statue of Baphomet, who is a symbol of pluralism, legal equality, tolerance, and reconciliation for the Satanist uh, Temple. And the statue of Baphomet was ultimately taken down because the Arkansas government was like, we don't want this here. We, we don't want the Satanistic thing there. And this leads into a huge battle over the First Amendment and the freedom of religion and whatnot. And frankly, 
if I was giving my honest opinion as I read this thing and as I was thinking about it, I don't care if the Ten Commandments are literally built or if there's a statue of Baphomet placed right next to them, if there is a spiritual or some like literal demon placed next to the sculpture. Because just as we read in Jeremiah, it does not matter if the Ten Commandments are built up and set up in this country. It matters about are the laws written on your heart? Does are, Is God actually living within you? I couldn't care less about people carving these words into rock. You have to understand that God is actually the rock. He is foundational. And ultimately, all the statues in the world could become Ten Commandments, but it is only those to whom it is written on their hearts who actually belong to God. So my encouragement is that we don't seek to uphold images that claim righteousness rather than being the image that reflects God's righteousness. And I believe that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. We're really thankful for you guys listening, and we hope this has encouraged you and given you some things to think about when it comes to talking to other people, especially because the Ten Commandments are, I think, overly scrutinized. Thank you for your kind attention, and we hope you have a blessed week. See you in the next one.